Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi. Okay. Okay. Good. Cool. Check, check, check. Great. Okay. And you're rolling on your own? Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. I'm Kate Osborne. I'm Liza Shapiro. And this is Surreal Estate. A show about real estate. And today we're talking rent or buy. This is a subject that's on my mind. Yeah, deaf. Rents these days pretty much rival mortgages. I read this piece the other day that was about, like, if you were planning on living in New York for five years, you are losing money, throwing away money if you don't buy. But then you start to think about buying and you're like, but where will I live? Because it's dismal in New York. It's really bad. Right. Like, what could you actually afford even if you have the money that you put into rent for a mortgage. Exactly. Like, I love my apartment now, and I love my neighborhood. I live in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. It's gorgeous. It's perfect. It's everything I've ever wanted. But buying an apartment on my block that I can afford paying rent on begins, you know, at $1 million. You could spend $5 million. Definitely. Listen, I know that in this conversation, I have to take a backseat because I sort of won the lottery in the fact that 10 15 years ago now, my sister put my name down on a list for an affordable housing scheme in the city, and I got to buy something for basically the price of a used car. And I now have a one-bedroom in the East Village that I own. That's incredible. I mean, we should all be putting our names down on such lists. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But this rent or buy thing is just huge. And, you know, I have a friend right now who's not in New York, but he's in Oakland, and he's asking himself, the exact same questions. I pay all of this rent. Should I just get a mortgage? Yeah, I mean, it's such a complicated decision. Um, And so very quickly, before we get into it, um, this show is definitely not operating in an official advisory role. Please check with your own financial advisors and lawyers, people that know the specifics of your situation. And whatever opinions doled out here on this show are just that, opinions, not to be taken as golden rules. Right. So don't sue us when you do something that someone said on the show. (laughs) Please don't sue us. We don't have any money anyway. (laughs) Yeah. If we had money, I'd be buying that $10 million townhouse across the street from me that I've been eyeing for the past four years. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So now a little bit for my... Hi, Ike. Hi. Hi, Kate. Thanks for having me on the line. So you're my friend that I've known for a while. I've known you since 
college. Well, we didn't we didn't meet in college, but we went to the same college. Well, uh, that's fair. And then we met in in Boston. Yeah. Which is a uh, great city. Which is where I lived. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> city. So, okay, you have since moved to Oakland, California. Mhm. Yeah. You're sort of sick of renting and you want to buy is what you're you're hoping to do. I'd, I'd like to. Uh, be a be a part of the landed gentry class. I think that's that was the promise. Yeah, and why now? I guess maybe two things. One is that I've been in a relationship for a while, and the like next logical step after you've been going back and forth between your apartment and her apartment in alternating nights is that you want to have a apartment together where you decide to move all of your things in and like maybe you lose half of them and then you arrange them in a way that you've both just agreed on mm-hmm. and uh to to do that there are like some market forces at that uh kind of make that seem like a uh less than ideal option and then it starts to rival a mortgage right so then i started to think about like well what would it be like to just buy a a very small home. I think the night I decided to look at a house was the same night that uh, Uber announced that there were 3,000 workers that were going to be moving to downtown Oakland. Oh, no. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God. It's like a, an invading army of that rich will occupy all the lands. Yeah. And they'll live in the nice, nicer place. Oh, damn. Okay. So clearly this is a big decision. It's going to take a mortgage and it's going to be this huge financial commitment. So while I happen to be really interested in these ideas, I don't actually know if you should do this or not. (laughs) Oh, really? You told me I should. That's why I didn't shut it down. Well, no. I mean... I was just waiting for somebody to tell me this is not within your means, (laughs) man. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's willing to kick the dream out of the thought bubble above. Well, well, this is what I'll say is that when we talked about it, yes, I did think that it was like a really good decision for you to explore and also to to really crunch the numbers. You were you were encouraging. Right. But you were bullish. Right. But that said, I'm in a situation where I can maybe get you some expert advice. So Okay. Here's what I'm gonna do for you, kid. I'm gonna make some calls. I'm going to find out what they say. I'm going to bring your case to some some important people, see what they say. How does that sound? I would I would appreciate that. I, I'm kind of, I'm grasping at straws here, man. Okay. Okay, cool. All right, so I'm going to call you back, all right? Okay, yeah, just, you know, things are moving fast, though. Okay, okay. So I did call around, and one expert agreed to let me come to her super luxe apartment to get a little advice for my friend Ike. So we met at the Plaza, the Plaza Hotel, which is now condos, and the little Eloise and me always wanted to see inside, and I kind of got Thank to you with so this much one. Thank for having us. No problem. Come on. Right here. <laughs> this is Nick. Hi, Nick. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Ah, I saw it on the Wall Street Journal. Looks right. quite the same. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah. So can you tell me your name? Yes, Susie Orman. 
And I am the personal finance expert of the world. <laughs> that Just is that simple. I would say that's putting it mildly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Susie Badass Orman. And I'm going to say right now, I am a big Susie Orman fan. This is going to be one point of privilege here on the show. I get one. There won't be any others. But I did get to meet her and get a little advice, both for Ike and for us. But what I really wanted to know is that in 2016, as a personal finance expert to the world, what does she think about this question? After the crash, she was really bearish about the market and was basically telling people, like, I don't know, man, maybe you can't buy. So I want to know what she's thinking now. You know, I think it's really important when you get financial advice from anybody about anything, stock market, retirement accounts, real estate, the advice has to alter every single year depending on not only the situation of real estate, but the situation of the economy, the workforce, everything that's going on. So when you hear a financial advisor always give the same advice over and over again, something's wrong there. So things have to alter. So where we are right here and right now, I personally think we're pretty much at the top of the real estate market. Again. Uh, Again, I think things are slowing down. And when I see people once again going in for no money down, going in with just 10% down, even if they can afford 20% and the bank's lending on it again, that is a key signal to me we have problems coming. Not problems where we're going to crash, but problems where too much loose money is happening again, and therefore people could tend to get into trouble. So I think, I have to tell you, for many reasons, I think we're at the top of the real estate market. Hmm. And do you feel like we're unlearning those hard lessons we learned just a few years ago? I think we have totally forgotten the lessons Hmm. that we learned in 2008 and 2009, where in those years, people were like, I don't want to own a home. I am never going to own a home again, which isn't a good way to feel either. But I'm never going to do it till now. It's the American dream once again. I need to buy a home. Interest rates are going to go up, Susie. I can't miss having those interest rates go up. So I've got to go in now, even though I don't have the money down. And I'm not sure. i got to figure out. Yeah, we've lost it once again. Well, I think the latest statistic is that we're at the lowest rate of home ownership since 1967. It's just a, it's hovering around 63%. Obviously, apartment occupancy is at 95%. Do you feel like that's necessarily a bad thing? No, I don't think it's a bad thing. There was never this doctrine written that said, you have got to own a home, and if you don't own a home, you are never going to be rich. No. You have to look at what, what is the goal of money? That's the real question hmm. people need to ask. And the goal of money is to make you feel secure. If you feel secure renting an apartment and you have all the cash in the world that's invested, is liquid for emergency, is in retirement accounts, whatever it may be, and you feel secure, what do you care? Right. So that so renting could be the end in of itself. It really could be the end in itself. I think that's interesting, though, psychologically speaking, because when I think about people who are sort of in my demographic, white, college-educated, probably grew up around middle class or upper middle class, Um, But really, they do feel like they need to own a home. I have a really hard time believing millennials today 
feel secure in owning a home. Yeah. You guys don't even stay at the same job <laughs> for longer than a year. You do not have any loyalty to any company as if you look at your parents or grandparents that spent 30 to 40 years in one company and they stuck in there for the pension and that's what they were going to do. Today, no corporations give you a reason yeah. to stay there. You jump from one technology company to another, from one magazine to a new. You have no home when yeah. it comes to where you work. So I find it very hard that you would even want a home mm. as to where you live because no home means you have flexibility to go and do anything that you want. Oh, my God, what a privilege. But I hear it all the time. I feel like I'm throwing away money when I give it to my landlord. I hear that constantly. And those are people who have no idea what it costs to buy a home. <laughs> Fair. Those are people who simply think, oh, I'm paying $2,500 a month in rent in New York. Good luck. Mm -hmm. But but for 600 feet, maybe that's what they're paying, 3000 a month. I could be buying a home. Mm -hmm. what well, yeah. yeah. Yes, but what they're not seeing is maybe your mortgage payment could be 2500 or 3000 a month. But what you're not seeing are the condo fees, the co-op fees, the, again, property taxes, the maintenance, the assessments. Insurance. The insurance, you have to add about 40 5% above your mortgage payment if you want an accurate number as to what it's really, over the long run, going to cost you to own this home. Maybe you go a year or two without anything breaking, but you trust me, you will need a new refrigerator, you will need a new heater, a new air conditioner, you'll need something. Your windows aren't working. Oh, you have to get your air conditioning clean. Oh, your plumbing, your Things happen. Right. There's a leak. Oh, my God. How do I fix that leak? And so what you have sort of a list of things that you want people to yes. at least abide by if it, they're buying their first home. You betcha. And the first thing is you need at least an eight-month emergency fund besides the down payment. We no longer live in a world where if you buy a home, and you can't afford it, and they foreclose or take it away, and you you owe more than what the house is sold for, used to be, fine, no problem, if it was your primary residency, they didn't tax you on the difference. Mm. That no longer exists. Interesting. Okay. So many things have changed in the past few years. So I want you to have at least an eight-month emergency fund. I want you to know that your job is secure that you like the job and you're going to stay there and we're not going to have a layoff. I want to know that you're going to live in this place for at least five to seven years. You can't buy a home today and get rid of it two years from now with the cost of buying a house. Besides all that, I want to know that you have truthfully minimum 10%, but preferably I would like to see you have 20% to put down. Okay, so I actually have a test case if you'd like to yeah. play along with me. I have a friend, he's 29, so he's looking, he's in Oakland, California, so that's Bay Area. Oh, I know it very well. I hot, hot, just hot. I'll sell the home. Go on. He's looking for something around 300 to 400K. He will put 20% down. He does have a secure job. Um, that said, he doesn't make a million dollars. You know, he it's it's also in the media. And his current rent is only about uh, 1095 Mm-hmm. So, so it's like, you know, it's, it's, you know, he is going to be taking a sizable chunk of his savings to do this. The key to this one is if he's buying 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A $300,000 home. Mm-hmm. And he's putting $60,000 down. Yeah, exactly. And now he's got $240,000 of a mortgage. Yeah. So he's going to still, with everything, be at about 3000 a month. Yeah, that's what I was estimating. When it's said and done. That is $2,000 more per month than he is currently paying. So here's my advice to him. Play house. Seriously, for the next six months, on the first of every month, he has to pay his rent, and then take another $2,000 and put it into a savings account. He has to do that for six months. Mm-hmm. And he has to then figure out, oh, how did that feel? Can I live on that? If he's late being able to come up with that extra $2,000 or it's too difficult for him, he shouldn't buy. If it's easy for him and he likes it, here's the good news. He now has saved an additional $12,000 for moving costs, for the closing costs, for everything that it's going to cost him. Yeah. That's how you figure out if you can really afford it or not. Yeah. You know, I did a little bit of looking around in terms of appreciation of that market. And yes, it's up like 20, 30 percent in a year. But there's a lot of projections that, you know, next year, Oakland's only going to be up 7 percent and maybe in San Francisco specifically, like 9 percent. So I, I feel like it's hard to see the forest for the trees because you just see things going gangbusters. But do we feel like, should we feel like if I don't get in now, I'll never be able to own? No, you shouldn't because that's exactly how, fe- I remember 1993 in Oakland, California, when homes that were going for, a mil- you know, three million were down to a million. And then a few years later, they were 12 million. So it's you cannot predict what's going to happen in the real estate market, especially in California. That is earthquake country. Right. But you do not buy a home as an investment. You buy a home because you want to live there the rest of your life. You love it, or at least you think you're going to stay there for a long period of time. In the 30s, I think I don't think you can really say you're going to live somewhere the rest of your life. But not that you're going to buy it and you're going to be able to sell it for more because you might not be able to. Damn, Kate. Wow. I'm touched that you 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 went to the swing for the swing for the fences. I you know. To the big You went to the top, man. To Susie. To Susie Orman. Yeah, yeah. My mom is an accountant and she, 
you know, I would ask her and she would watch Susie and then give me answers. Well, there you go. You didn't you ha- you could go straight to the source. So what do you think? Um, at first, I, I was a I, I got a little defensive. I thought play play a house was just like was a sounded a little a little patronizing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but but then I understood what she meant. Uh she didn't just mean to, like, now, if you want to live in a house and you can't afford it, you should just pretend to live in a house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is what my, my first impression was. But I think I understand. Um, just, like, yeah, make your own escrow account. Right. <laughs> and see if you can just uh, keep up with payments. I think it also takes away that, like, huge fear factor of, can I do this? Can I really do it? Yeah. But I... I generally think it's true that, like, you know, water fills the glass that it's in, you know? Mm. That I, you you make it work, right? You know, it's, okay, here's a, here's better than water. Uh, arranged marriages, right? You make, <laughs> first comes marriage, then comes love. You know, you figure out how to make it work afterwards. <laughs> so if I'm like, you know, if I want to move well, into a house, <laughs> There might be a lot of women out there that disagree well, with I that. Well, I would say there are probably... <laughs> Uh, many that agree with it, too. My mom agrees with it. She's the one who told it to me, and she talks to Susie. (laughs) I mean, it's risky, though. I mean, I do do take your point that you would make it work. Yeah, you mean, maybe I work work for Uber on the weekends. Right. (laughs) They're already (laughs) in the neighborhood. But you also told me, while I was out getting advice for you, you were also looking at houses and trying to bid and so forth. And so can you just give us a little update about how that's going? Um, so there was one uh, house that I, I bid on, and it seemed like a really good bet. It was a like a house in a safe neighborhood at a price I could, it was my upper limit, but could still afford. Mm-hmm. And my realtor thought, you know, it's kind of interesting. She doesn't really know, like we haven't, got to know each other that well but she said i have the perfect house for you <laughs> like get <laughs> but i went to go look at it and it's like holy shit it is like exactly the house i would have drawn in my head right it's, like a, it's got a jungle backyard it's got palm trees and a lemon tree and and then like a, a little solarium uh where the the old man used to paint and i was like this is where yeah this is this is exactly where i'd love to live and then we drew up the papers and we made a bid. Yeah. And the night before <laughs> they were going to submit the bid, Emma and I did our personal finances. And I had become acclimated to the idea of not having any money. It's just like, I'm fine. That, that wouldn't bother me. I know how to shop at the discount grocery store. Right. But I think it got, it, I think it spooked, spooked Emma what that life would be like. So we we dropped the bid to a place where it was basically not not a competitive offer and kind of kind of took ourselves out of the game for that one do you feel sad that that didn't work out um I feel less motivated to look anymore because I you know you look for a, a week after that and I went to I looked at the best house and it cost more and was shittier and then I was like I don't you know yeah it's like kind of exhausting because every time I look at a house, I imagine myself living in it and what it would be like to yeah. go to the laundromat. And it's like a real mental exercise. Yeah, it's a, an emotional experience, and, too. <laughs> it's ti- yeah, it's it's tiring. So 
I think uh, I think I'm gonna chill on it for a little bit. But maybe you can do the Susie plan then. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll do the Susie plan. I'll I'll imagine what it would be like. Okay, hi, I'm back in the studio. Here's the thing, that that thought bubble above Ike's head about the perfect home with the jungly backyard, it's still there. And I think it's still there for many of us. And what Suze is saying is actually much more radical. Maybe home ownership should not even be the goal. Real estate, and I will always say this, I still think as an investment is one of the worst investments you could ever make. And... The reason is, is the cost of maintaining it. Mm. You have all these risks involved. You have the possible increase of property taxes, increase of insurance, but then you have the possibility of maintenance, breakage, repair, tenants that aren't paying you. And then the illiquidity of being able to sell it. A stock that pays you 5, 6, 7, 8% dividends, and there are good stocks out there that do so, it's paying you to keep it. Right. You have no cost in maintaining it, and it's totally liquid the second that you want to sell it. So I have a very hard time understanding why so many people feel that real estate, when I say people, I mean everyday normal people. It's one thing, Donald Trump, you want to own, you know, Manhattan, fine. It's a whole different business. But everyday people, why would they own three or four properties right. now when the, when so much comes along with it of the unknown? Right. I just think it's very dangerous to do so. I remember writing a book in 2005 called The Money Book for the Young, Fabulous, and Broke. And I remember writing in that book that I can show you why a home will be the invest investment you'll ever make. Oh, you betcha. You put 10% down, a house increases 3 or 5% a year, here's what it could look like. 2008 changed all that forever. Not just for a few years, forever. We need a serious re-envisioning of the American dream, especially when it pertains to real estate. Listen, KT and I used to own five or six homes. By the time everything's done, we'll own two. I've sold everything. Because you just, you personally, even someone who is in a really good position to maintain properties and own them. Mm-hmm. And someone who would have enough sense to actually make investment properties if you were so interested. Correct. And then it's like, no, all these properties take money to maintain. I now want my money to maintain me. (laughs) That wasn't making me feel secure. If I don't have any overhead doing anything, can you imagine the life we could live? I mean, I would like to imagine it. And we were living that life with all these I would like to (laughs) self-actualize it. Well, you could. I did somehow, but it just made no sense, financially speaking. I think that we would commonly think that people who aren't making a lot of money have to be more concerned about how they're spending and uh, a budget for their family. But, you know, you're saying, you know, someone who is in really, you know, a pretty comfortable place still thinks about that. You know, I'll never forget the day I was on the Larry King show one night 
and he said to me, so Susie Orman, how much do you think somebody has to have to be wealthy? And I said, $100 million. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I still believe that, by the way. And because $100 million today invested conservatively at 5% only generates you $5 million a year. Now, when you're flying private, you have all these homes, you have this lifestyle, $5 million doesn't go very far. I'm sure somebody listening to this will go, is she crazy? I, you know, I'm bringing in 70000 a year, and she's thinking, but that's why when you start making a lot of money. And you, you scale up your life. You have to be very, very careful, mm. people. Do you remember when you used to say, I'm making 20000 a year. If I could just make fifty, I'd be so great. And yeah. then you made fifty. And you said to yourself, if I just made $100,000, I can't even imagine. And then you made 100. And then that wasn't enough. The more you make, the more you spend. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Anytime, my dear. Hey, so back in the studio. I don't know, man. Maybe you can't buy. It's a really scary thing to think about. I mean, I love it on on one level, but it also terrifies me in a personal way to think about like, well, so maybe I'll have to move every few years for the rest of my life. You know, what happens if my rent goes up $1,000 next year? It could. Yeah, I mean, I think that the whole concept that we get to be picket fenced and, you know, that the house is part of our, the basis of our security. Security, yeah, is just, I don't know, I think it's, we're just in a really funny place. True. Truth. Truth. That's real truth. But please don't forget, that said, check with your own advisors about what's right for you. (laughs) Right, and again, don't sue us. Please don't sue us. But thank you for listening. Today's show was produced by us. And edited by me. And mixed by Aaron Leader. Our logo was designed by the great Ben Tuber and a little bit of music designed by Dorsal. Don't forget to be in touch. We are still looking for your real estate nightmares. <laughs> Email us at lesurrealestate at gmail. That's L-E surrealestate at gmail. And if you like what you heard, give us a rating on iTunes. We want five stars. Thank you. <laughs> I knew it was five this time. Stay tuned for an epilogue about how much Susie Orman loves fishing. Loves it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. 
That's stamps.com code program.